four people were talking in a nice little circle, but there was room. <laughs> Charles just and he came stood in directly in front of me and his put back his to back my on face. Front. Like yeah, probably like two inches. Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, and you and I even like put my arms in the air and I'm like, what? <laughs> oh my god! He was busy though. He was trying to talk to Jeremy. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. This is Flagship Friday, which will be released April 5th. And of course, this is where we discuss all the news, current events, and goings on in the crypto community. So thank you for joining us. And I'm here with my co-host, Brent Philbin. Whoa, hey, what's up? Flagship Friday. And Adam Levy. Hello. Hi. (laughs) All right, guys. So before we get into the news, why don't we get us kicked off? Brent, give us a breakdown. What is the podcast released and what are they? What do we have coming up? Most important thing we released this week is I had an interview with Peter McCormick from the What Bitcoin Did podcast. Guy was awesome to have on the show. It wasn't like totally crypto related. We did a lot of just talking about podcasting in general. There was a lot of crypto in there. We took some digs at Craig Wright just for funsies. And there was lots of uh, lots of interesting stuff. So one of my favorite interviews that I've done so far. Check that out. We released it on uh, Wednesday. And then coming up, like we said last week, but I pushed it back because of this interview with Peter, uh, we are going to do a casting couch situation with Adam. You can tell his mic isn't up to snuff. Don't worry. He's got a good mic coming. And then we're going to actually put him through the ringer. Test him out and see if he's gonna be uh, if he's gonna be a fit for the co-host or if we're gonna fire him. We'll give him a performance enhancing mic first, right? Yes, exactly, and right. maybe some drugs. You know, so you won't we- have any. You won't have any uh, excuse, Adam. I'm sorry, bring Brett, it. But you can't fire me if I haven't been hired yet. That's oh yeah, what it's a good point. Is you don't just get to trump me, <laughs> son of a. <laughs> I don't get to trump you. <laughs> also, if you want to hear Kareem and oh, I banter trump. on another podcast. We Kareem and I released an episode on a podcast called The Ancestral Mind, which is nothing to do with crypto. But you can uh, you can check that out at the uh, ancestralmind.com slash podcast, I think. And it's uh, we were we were talking on that one. Brian had me as a guest. It was a lot of fun. It was yep. very cool talking about psychedelics. So it was a very interesting topic. <laughs> we did that while Kareem was in town for South by Southwest, but it just got released, I think, on Tuesday. And then coming up, we're still going to do that Decred 101 on top of Adam's casting couch. And maybe Adam's going to a conference next weekend. Got some press passes. I don't know if we're going to get any content from that, but it's called CIS. Yeah, I actually went to the very first one. It's Crowd Invest Summit. Funny enough, I happened to go to one meetup in, I don't know, the hills of LA somewhere. And I got attached to this email chain. And somehow that ended up getting me a free ticket to it. So I was like, fuck it, I'll go check it out. It kind of reminded, I've never, I'd never been to a crypto summit or anything crypto. It kind of reminded me of like if Burning Man and nerds kind of meshed together and <laughs> just kind of, you know, hung around. Cause there was a lot of, a lot of interesting fashion there from people who clearly made it rich from crypto and didn't have to adhere to the normal suit and tie kind of, world. I, I did want to ask you, as somebody who has spent a lot of time in Florida and in California, do you notice a big difference in like public consciousness regarding cryptocurrency or usage or interest? Or do you think that it's more or less the same in the circles that you got to experience? Oh, it's 
Florida feels like I'm living in the past when I'm when I live in LA, if that makes sense. Because there's just a overall more global or state consciousness with everything, to be honest. It's a creative city. So you talk about things and things travel and ideas kind of pop up. In Miami, it's just can I just get out of the freaking humidity? Is it going to rain today? <laughs> so with cryptocurrency specifically, you notice that there's like more conversations about it over there or more adoption or... Oh, it got so LA one. Um, when we peaked last January, 2018, it, I was at the... I was watching at a friend's house and a producer friend, a reality TV show a producer was talking about crypto at the actual peak when it was clearly way too inflated. And he mentioned, oh, yeah, I have a guy, just casual. This is just a casual, hey, we're watching the national championship. I have a guy. He told me to get three coins. So I did. They were Verge, Tron, and I'm not, I'm not making this part up. It was Litcoin. Litcoin. Lit. <laughs> and he was like, it's not, it's, it's Litecoin? I thought it was Litcoin. <laughs> so I, I guess that kind of. So he uh, immediately yeah. sold it. It's like, fuck that. If it's not lit, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I hope that answers your question as in that. Yeah. They talk about almost to the point of, you know, getting a little carried away. Whereas Miami, probably there were very few people that were few groups of people that were having conversations like that. Yeah. Yeah. I did definitely meet people that when they found out that we participated in a podcast, you know, they usually want to ask you about a specific coin. And I, I got to tell you, I got asked about Tron way more than I'd like to admit. Like, it was such an open What are you? What do you think about Tron? You know? So the, that, the that was pretty, they did. Yeah. I've got a little Tron on this episode, boys. I don't know if you, uh, I, I don't want to get everybody's, you know, no. panties tingling too much, but yeah, always happy to talk well, about Tron. Brent, you tease. <laughs> uh, all right. So actually, that's probably a good indication that it's time for us to move along with the topic <laughs> of the episode. And we're going to go into our rapid fire section. Just as a reminder to the audience, these are going to be headlines that we thought were interesting, worth mentioning, but we're not necessarily diving into. Who is taking the rapid fire today, boys? I will do it. I will do the rapid fire. I don't know what this first one is. Just Brent volunteers his tribute. Oh, um, I mean, I guess I could help. Oh, with I see. That it. One. Okay, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm ready. And fired it up. So the Ethereum user adoption is catching up to Bitcoin. It's catching up to Bitcoin. You can check that from uh, some of the charts here sent from addresses. The Ethereum uh, is the, the, the way we have it. The pictures in the show notes. There's a red line and a blue line. And the red line is Ethereum, and it's sent from is right around 200k, a little over 200k, and Bitcoin has kind of dropped to just over 300k. So interesting, probably correlated to the rise in transaction fees that we've seen in the last couple of days. But anyway, interesting stuff there. Twitch has removed crypto as a payment option for the subscription methods. I honestly forgot that they were even using it. I think maybe they were even integrated with Nano at some point. I don't remember, but that's gone. No more of that anymore. Speaking of Nano. The Nanex exchange is shutting down. They are a basic nano exchange that is all the base pairs were nano and they didn't have much volume anyway. And most of their volume had stopped. They're just saying, look, guys, we're actually closing our doors. Get your stuff off here because once we're closed, you don't get it. Guys, so I want to make a quick pause here and try to stir up a little conversation. I know we usually are not going deep into the rapid fires, but this last article you covered about Twitch, 
I've seen this a lot, unfortunately. Didn't we have something similar with Overstock or there was a there's no, been a new egg. New egg, that's right, new egg. Yeah, Steam stopped taking it too. Exactly. Bitcoin. This has been an ongoing problem because you would think that getting onboarding is the most difficult part. So anyway, I just want your thought on this, guys. This is not the first time that we hear about a major retailer who it was a big story when they implemented crypto and then they eventually just drop it either for whatever reasons. This is so we're kind of taking some step backwards, or it just shows that the technology is really not ready. No, I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think it's probably at some point they've realized, hey, maybe this is a a way too annoying of a tax thing for us to deal with when we barely get when like it's such a small portion of what the donations probably are subscription payment. Um, I think it's it's kind of like how China would constantly ban cryptocurrency and then come back a little bit later i actually i believe in my mind that twitch or or newegg or whatever they're gonna they're eventually gonna add it back but for now i think they're just they're just trying to wait it out personally couple things that i'll say here actually i think newegg kept bitcoin the whole time i can't remember but definitely steam and definitely reddit stopped using it i think that it's a little bit easier than that coming from, you know, I've seen the the business side of things. You always have to have a payment processor like Square or something like that. If you were just taking payments somehow on your own and having to deal with all the back end stuff, it would be really annoying. And you'd probably have to have like a person that you paid to do it or something like that. There's no payment processor for crypto that is ubiquitous yet. So for somebody to take crypto, they have to kind of come up with their own infrastructure and how it works. And it could probably be more annoying than it's worth especially if there's not much volume. The other thing I'll say to Twitch specifically is they got bought by Amazon and a couple of the things that they said about it were saying like, you know, we are always interested in testing different payment methods. Sounds like it might've been a test run for something. Uh, And then they, and then they pulled it, whether it was a successful test run or not is hard to tell without being inside their company. But there's always that thought that Amazon is the sleeping giant about to release some sort of blockchain and you know, crush souls or whatever, they may have been testing something with Twitch to start that way. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, pretty insightful. I agree with what you're saying also about um, Amazon. And uh, that's interesting. I didn't know that they had bought Twitch, but that definitely helps put it into context. And before I stopped you, Brian, you had one more story here you wanted to cover in the rapid fire. Yep, uh, this one. So this one deserves a bit more of a look, but we, we just didn't have time. And I think we might end up revisiting Dash because Dash was the first coin that we ever recorded a 101 episode on. But Dash is now enabling instant send by default, which makes it private. Instant send is the one that does the mixing of the coins, but it has higher fees, if I remember correctly. So they may be increasing the fees of the network by default, but at the same time, meaning you don't have to signal that you need privacy when you do the instant send feature. I thought that there were two separate features in Dash, one that was related to privacy and one that once that was related to instantaneity or whatever the word is. I think they're the same. I think the instant send is one that went through the masternodes and created the private system. Hmm. Again, I, I haven't visited Dash specifically in a long time, but it was the masternodes handled all the instant send transactions by taking in all the money, yeah. mixing it around, and then spitting it all back out. So I think that that created the privacy and that there wasn't specifically a private feature like something like Pivx or, or right, right, Zen right. or something like that. I, yeah, I agree with you that it was uh, it was something that you could select. I just thought that those two features were separated. But yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since we did Dash. A long time. 
yeah legitimately was the first episode we recorded it wasn't the first one we released but it was the first episode we actually sat down and tried to talk about a coin. So you want to we want to hear a shitty episode? Go back and listen to Dash. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's it for my rapid fire section. All right, we're going back to back on not so rapid fire uh, rapid yeah. fires. Uh, <laughs> but the next segment is uh, with the SEC stating uh, SEC statement on crypto, and that's kind of going to be all of us. I mean, whenever the SEC publicly talks about crypto, it's, it's something that should be a piece of news. Yeah. All right. So here's what I did. I, I went and read over a decent portion of this. And first of all, I want to say that we are not experts. We're not lawyers. We're, we say this all the time, but just I want to reiterate it when I'm interpreting a document that's released that has a lot of political machinations behind it and stuff like that. But the whole thing sounds like pro- plausible deniability to me. It doesn't sound like they actually laid anything out. What they did was they said, here's all these things. And also, even if it kind of hits all these, we might still say it's the security or something like it really (laughs) didn't create the regulatory certainty that people wanted. And it's being touted as if they did, because they did actually list out some things. And clearly, whoever wrote it understood cryptocurrency. So I'm going to talk about the part where they really talk about how to look at these coins. But I'm going to read a couple of quotes here. First is, although no one of the following characteristics of use or consumption is necessarily determinative. The stronger the presence, the less likely the Howey test is. I cut off the rest of that quote, but it was supposed to say is, you know, meaningful, I think. And to me, that literally means nothing. It's it's saying no one characteristic necessarily determinative, stronger the presence, less likely. It's all very wishy-washy. There is no, if it hits these, then yes, it is this and that. Uh, here's what they listed out. And I'm summarizing these. I did not just r- read them off. But if these things are all true, then it's fine. The network has to be fully armed and operational. So the network works. You know, None of this like white paper and a promise crap. Holders can use it on the network right away. The asset is designed to meet the needs of its users and not to feed speculation in some way. The value should remain stable or depreciate over time, which makes no sense to me. Like they're saying, if you hold on to it, you shouldn't be expecting to get more value in some way. Maybe that means like it needs to be deflationary. I don't really know what they were trying to say with that. That didn't make a whole, make a whole lot of sense. If it's a currency, it needs to be used to make payments. It really needs to be used for goods and services without converting it to something else first. Or it needs to be deemed to store value in some fashion. If it represents another good or service, it has to be able to be redeemed for the value that it's pegged to. So if it represents a dollar, it needs to be able to be redeemed for that dollar. The economic benefit is incidental, not designed. It has to be marketed in a manner that emphasizes functionality and not increase in value. And of course, if you're interested in your coin, which emphasizes functionality and not increase in value, and you're interested in advertising it, please reach out to us at CryptoBasicPodcast at gmail.com. We're happy to talk. We don't currently have a monthly sponsor, and we're welcoming any non-scam projects to speak with us. Pro- which means probably none of you that are actually going to reach out, but still, there's a reason. Wow, that was <laughs> almost a great shameless plug, and that yeah. uh, you, you, you <laughs> should have just cut it off. You should have just like boom, like yep. Yeah. Oh, I'm investing in that guy. Yeah, but I like the shame. I like the shame. All right, he revels in it. There have to be no restrictions for transfers, and like you can't be required to lock it up in some fashion before you're allowed to use it or something like that. And the, that was all they, they listed for the things. And really, I agree with most of those, except the one that's like it can't increase in value. It's kind of weird. They, they're literally like if it increases in value, now all of a sudden we're going to come after it. At the bottom, it said digital assets with these types of use or consumption characteristics are less likely 
to be investment contracts. The discussion above identifies some of the factors market participants should consider in assessing whether a digital asset is offered or sold as an investment contract and therefore as a security. It's specifically talking about the participants, not the SEC. So to me, this whole thing is complete air. Like they wrote an opinion piece almost like it it just doesn't mean anything to me. I think maybe you're being too strict on it, I believe, because so if this whole thing is about trying to decide whether or not something passes the Howey test and the Howey test is basically looking at it as an investment contract, like we're saying, I'm buying this, you guys do some work and the price will go up. And that's what they're addressing. And a lot of the gray area that is frustrating you here, we have to remember that this is something that is in the realm of law not in the realm of mathematics or programming or anything like that. And it tends to be hazy and there tends to be exclusions and exceptions because things are going to be complex. If they just made a black and white law that says this is going to be this and this is going to be that, then it's going to make it very easy for people to cheat the system and get around the intent of the law, not the letter of the law. So here they're saying, look, it's not any one of these things is not going to make it so that you're an investment contract. So for example, that one thing could be the fact that it goes up in value. But if it goes up in value and you're locked up and you can't sell it for a period of time and your marketing material was emphasizing the fact that it was going to go up in price and your network isn't operational, then all of those factors together are pointing at something that's saying, hey, these people are essentially selling investment securities under the guise of a cryptocurrency. And there needs to be that gradient that allows... If something like this goes to court to present various degrees of evidence and it's either enough or not. I I actually feel very similarly with Kareem, not as eloquently, but similarly. I do think that it's hard to just say when you say black and white stuff, it's in in a very unknown, maybe not unknown space, but new growing space. It could really be limiting and just better to proceed with caution. Also, I think that a lot of this was spurned from the turnkey jet token. Do you know? Oh, I read something about that. I don't really know anything about it, but they had a ruling. Maybe you can help me. I don't know what no, a, a no, it says a no action letter. I thought, so this basically says SEC is not going to take action. They send them a letter saying, hey, we're not taking action. So I happened to read it. Um, there was a tweet storm by, uh, I think, Catherine Wu. I happened to fall, go into a, a rabbit hole last night and read about it. And basically, a lot of the things that were talked about in the SEC, I think, were actually, you know, used for the turnkey to not give action. Apparently, they were advised that this was not a security by their legal team. And because they were advised by their legal team and told it was not a security, they were not going to take action that it actually was a security, I think, if I understood it correctly. So, yeah, it was a little murky for me. So it sounds like this is kind of a precedent then, right? This Whatever this turnkey situation is with turnkey jet or whatever that is. I, I remembered reading something very quickly about that. They basically aren't allowed to use their ICO funds to create an app or something like that. Or I don't know. But basically, they, they're the first precedent of we're going to let these guys slide. They look like they might be a security, but they... They're good. I don't know. It's, it's just to me, it still doesn't feel like regulatory certainty like we see in the EU or something like that, where it's very specific. It's like it either falls into this category, this category or this category, and they're treated differently for tax purposes. I don't remember the exact breakdowns of those categories, but we talked about them before on the show. Kareem, that was your uh, one, one of the articles you brought to us. Yeah, so. I don't know if I remember the exact categories, but again, 
the reason why you should look at this as more flexible possibly is because to think of it as a burden of proof. Now it's essentially you are not a security unless proven to be a security. And these are the different standards that we're going to use. And you're going to have to meet a lot of those. So like, yeah. let's say that this turnkey, for example, company got 75% of the way there and they're getting a pass. That means there's a lot of space and a lot of breathing room that people know of like, okay, these don't cross these lines. And I think that that's how a lot of legal precedent is set, even for companies, traditional uh, investment, for finance, for a lot of, t- you know, sometimes it's just like, it gets complicated. It's murky and it's not going to be super clear and direct. And if if you do make it that way, it's just going to be easier to game sometimes. Yeah, no, that's true. I do get I do get gaming the system. So the action letter, the no action letter, sorry, to turnkey jet was actually at least what Catherine Wu said was TKJ relied on their counsel's opinion that TKJ tokens are not securities and thus offered and sold tokens without registering. Doesn't that make it weird? As in you can just say, Oh, my lawyers gave me bad advice. But but, but hold on a second. Is it bad advice? That's the question, because it could also be interpreted as our lawyers told us that these were not going to be considered securities based on ABC. So we didn't register. And now the SEC, after looking at the case, is saying, yeah, we're not going to take action, essentially confirming the lawyer's advice. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Again, we don't know law. We don't know what these particular things mean when, when they go out. Maybe it means a little bit more than I thought it meant. I didn't realize there was actually a case attached to it. I just really didn't like the language. And the first thought that I had was, if it's a subjective decision, then I can just decide I don't like Justin Sun. I'm not going to let Tron be one or something like that. So as much as I I agree, I don't particularly like Justin Sun. I don't think Tron qualified as a security as far as what I knew about the network anyway. So I don't think it stakes. I don't know. Don't I don't want to say so that, anything good about them. Yeah. So the core of that uh, concern, Brent, is how the SEC goes about making these decisions. And I have to be honest with you, I don't know the answer. So if it's arbitrarily made by a few individuals, then I think you have a very strong case. But if there's a process, like if there's a lot of employees who are following kind of a protocol based on these, and like there's like a process that everything goes through so that if somebody made an arbitrary decision, it would stick out and there's some kind of bureaucracy in place to catch it, then it's not as much of a problem, right? So it's the question is, how do they make these decisions? All right. I agree. Ish. <laughs> More to come. We don't really know what's going on with the SEC, but it was the big news. We needed to talk about it. All right, so- guys. I have some very important news. I have some very big advice from CNBC. You guys heard that the price of Bitcoin went up, right? Because there's a bunch of stories. Wait, about do it. you know what the price of Bitcoin is today? I don't know what the price of Bitcoin is today, but I know that the price of Bitcoin went up because, of course, people were telling me uh, some to justify technical analysis, some to... So, with, to without looking, what do you think the price is of Bitcoin today? Uh, okay, so 4900 Wow, he got it. All wow, right. that's the first time you've been right about the but, <laughs> about the price yeah, but on the podcast a, there's ever. There's been a bunch of articles and stuff. I know that it hit like 5K something like 24 hours ago or something. Sorry to interrupt, but there was a glitch that as I pulled up CoinCap, just to check, it said 4K. So you actually made me freak out a lot. And, and then it went back to 4,900. So I, I, was, I thought something was way off. Yeah, I usually am so off that if I get it right, the market would immediately correct to a far off market. <laughs> All right, so here's the story though, guys. Price of Bitcoin went up. So CNBC, we haven't done one of these in a while. Crypto's been down, so we haven't seen the excessive uh, messaging. But here it comes again. The title, very subtle. Don't buy Bitcoin. 
<laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Do not buy Bitcoin. So this is from CNBC. And essentially, the article spends two-thirds quoting this guy, Peter Malouk, who is a wealth manager with his own fund where he takes people's money, of course, and manages their money and takes a percentage. And um, So I'm sure he's extremely smart and well. He's, he's an expert. He's an expert and he's telling you not to buy crypto. And here's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on both the quality of his arguments and how he exposes his ignorance of the space through his comments. Because it's not, again, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, anybody that criticizes uh, cryptocurrency has an agenda. What's really annoying is listening to people that clearly don't know enough about what they're discussing. So first of all, he says, quote, what we're going to see more than likely is we're going to see cryptocurrencies collapse, right? And the argument is there's so many types of virtual currencies like Litecoin, Ethereum, Ripple, and of course, Bitcoin, that there is no way that even a fraction of them can survive. Ah, so he's doing that thing where as long as he names a couple of the things, he sounds like an expert. It's pretty much what we do on the entire podcast. He's not giving an argument as to why only certain of them can survive. And what's even worse here is that if he's just making the argument that it's excessive to have too many cryptocurrencies specifically, then maybe naming Ripple and Ethereum in comparison to Bitcoin isn't the most effective way to do that because you're actually talking about currencies that can completely coexist. Bitcoin can succeed, Ethereum can succeed, and Ripple can succeed because they're literally three cryptocurrencies that are pursuing three different goals. Yep. And he's not even really aware of that. So even if you wanted to make the space look bad, you should have said something like, you know, Bitcoin, 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 Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash. Exactly. Exactly. But he's not even knowledgeable enough to construct the argument in the way that furthers his position, right? Then he says that in the meantime... If you buy cryptocurrency, you get no income. It's not a real investment. It's speculation. What's the problem with that, guys? Well, the problem with that, Kareem, is it is a speculation, though. I'm not saying that there's not speculation. (laughs) There are some coins that give you income, Kareem. There are coins that pay the equivalent of dividends through staking rewards and all that kind of stuff. Why would you make a blanket statement that cryptocurrencies don't give you income and make that the basis for why you can't invest in them when there are cryptocurrencies that give you income? <laughs> it's literally I mean, provable the opposite. I mean, it seems like to be. I'm not saying this article. Your this article is kind of hilarious. I agree, but it does <laughs> seem like he kind of got the. He hasn't technically said anything that is that wrong. As in, you know, how many times you hear saying, "Oh, there's a thousand, fifteen hundred cryptocurrencies out there, but we're going to expect a lot of them to fail." That's kind of what he's saying to an extent. And then CNBC repurposes his quotes and says, don't buy Bitcoin. You know? Well, I agree. I agree. I agree a hundred percent that, and especially here at towards the end of the article, we see how much CNBC is trying to frame this in a particular yeah. way. It's totally exposed, but you know, his quotes again, yes, a lot of cryptocurrencies, most cryptocurrencies are going to fail, but we also know that most businesses fail. Right. He's not saying necessarily don't invest in businesses. He would say don't invest in startups. Maybe don't invest in penny stocks, but he would not say don't invest in businesses. Right. And there are stocks that pay dividends and stocks that don't. And because he's an expert in that field, I'm sure he understands those subtleties. But even his framing of the cryptocurrency universe shows me that he doesn't even understand the universe in order to critique it properly. Right. He could not be wrong about the fact that a lot of cryptocurrencies are going to die. Because he's parroting something somebody else has told him, but he just doesn't understand why he's saying it. 
So that's like saying, you know, yeah, all politicians are corrupt. Obviously, you have examples like Bernie Sanders, uh, AOC and, and, and Trump. And, and you just list off like the, the eight politicians that you happen to know. And then people are like, well, yeah, but like two of them aren't actually particularly corrupt. I don't know, like if you look and then he's like, ah, well, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's the same thing. I think I'm more annoyed by CNBC because on then than Peter Malouk. Sure. He's making money doing wealth management and other things outside of cryptocurrency. He doesn't like it. Cool. But CNBC, what probably happened was, hey, we need to get some clicks. We need to get someone to then be denouncing cryptocurrency because everything is up and, you know, yes, 100%. Whatever, we have to find someone. So they probably searched and most of the wealth managers were, were like, oh, we love Bitcoin. Oh, we're into it. Oh, we're invested. And then they actually found someone who didn't know that much still and happened to just be the the patsy for this article, and then they spun it the way they wanted. So, Adam, I definitely agree with the tilt of CNBC. And here's where you can completely prove it. I'm going to get to the second half now. <laughs> they're going to go on to Kramer and Jamie Dimon in order to further, like, they're, they're going to do the old, uh, he's oh. not the only expert that says, you know, be careful with Bitcoin. But but here's the, I want to give you one more quote about this guy so that you you hate him just a little more. <laughs> he this is, this is his comparison. He compares cryptocurrency to the TV and he says, the TV worked out, but everything that comes out of it, we don't want to watch. What does that even mean? <laughs> what? What is he even saying? Like K- Kareem, you don't want to just put your eyes up to the screen and get bleached by the rays that are cu- the light rays that are coming out of it. That's what he means. It would just be really damaging to your eyes. What's his argument here, though? Seriously, like as a wealth manager, think about like let's remember his position. Are you telling people that the TV is not successful? TV shows aren't successful? <laughs> is that the argument he's making? I don't care if you want to watch less TV as an individual, but like, how are you saying cryptocurrency is bad? Look at the TV. It worked out, but everything that comes out of it is bad. And then he makes uh, another bad comparison. There's literally multiple TVs in every, you know, middle class and higher home in America. All right. I take it back. Maybe this guy gave such a bad interview that CNBC, uh, the only thing he could do, the only thing they could do was spin it. In a negative, like, I, what? I don't understand this quote. Or they're just totally used to not questioning these type of people because they're parroting the narrative that the network has established. So everybody that works there just buys into this narrative and they get guests who parrot this narrative and they never challenge each other. So they never have to think about it. So they just nod and smile and pretend to be experts. So then they they go on to quotes from Jim Cramer, who, as we know, expert stock picker, Plenty of analysis. Pl- plenty of analysis on his ability to pick stocks. It's just like total randomness. He, he, you might as well throw darts, monkey the whole thing. Everybody knows, right? But he says that anytime you talk bad about Bitcoin, there's a Bitcoin mafia that comes and gets you on the internet. Okay, fair enough. I could see that. <laughs> and then he says it's pure gambling. If you want to gamble, go to Vegas. Vegas is great. Okay, another side note. No, it's not. It's probably, at least Bitcoin's probably a break-even gamble because you're just gambling that it's going to go up or down. The house is taking a rake in every game you play. Again, bad advice. If you want to gamble, you might be better off <laughs> investing in Bitcoin than playing blackjack or roulette. Uh, and then the last one. They mentioned that JP Morgan called Bitcoin a fraud. Yep. And they don't mention that a year later, JP Morgan released their own cryptocurrency. This article is comedy. Yeah, that it's is hilarious. great. 
Yeah, Jamie Dimon, Bitcoin is fraud. Yeah, we remember when he said that. He did that so the price would drop so he could buy some more. <laughs> yeah, this like before they established a trading desk or something, or maybe that wasn't them, but it's so bad. And it's so clearly like what you said, Adam. Price of Bitcoin went up. We need a couple of anti-Bitcoin articles. It's just <laughs> embarrassing. <sighs> and on to the next one. We got Brent talking about Bit... Is it BitThumb? BitThumb? BitHum? I think it's BitHum. I don't really know. I don't. I guess I don't ever... I've never listened to anybody say anything about Pretty it. Pretty sure but. it's Bithump. <laughs> oh, Bithump. Okay. Thought, all right. So Bithump was just hacked. <laughs> Bithump was hacked. Just another eight-digit hack of an exchange here. Nothing to see. It, I don't know how many more of these the space can take. This On the banking side, the banks steal the money. And on the crypto side, there's hackers and exchanges stealing the money. So I don't know where it's coming from. We need to get this stuff under control. But Do you really think that you can call it a hack when it was basically an inside job yeah it was an inside job I, it's hard i don't know how to determine it as a hack i mean like they so i haven't they, heard this story how do we know that it's an inside job they don't know who did it but the the way it works it was the actual funds of the exchange not like anybody's wallets or anything like that so so somebody who had access to the exchange funds started to do it and they laundered it they stole 13 million dollars worth of eos and they also stole another 6 million dollars worth of xrp so i mean Whatever. Who really cares anyway? They they took <laughs> they took a bunch of EOS and XRP. Yeah, that's that stuff's basically its own walking scam anyway, right? And I, I don't know. That, that was fuck. That was supposed to be funnier than it was. Anyway, um, he he's. They said it was basically an inside job. He did launder it pretty well. So or or she. They don't know who it is, but they were clear the exchange was not affected. So in a rare move of the exchange actually owning up to this and not shutting down or taking the money from their investors they basically said nope it's on us it was our funds all users funds are in cold wallets they're safe so you guys are fine we're gonna Mm. take this entire loss so good on bithum for taking 19 million on the chin uh bad on bithum for having security that is bad enough that somebody could take 19 million dollars before you caught it and uh bad on that person for taking the shittiest coin of eos I gotta be honest. Maybe the EOS. Wait a minute. You know what? Maybe the EOS Foundation or whatever the fuck it is that like get to say, "No, your coins are Mars." Get to maybe they can find a way to take them from this guy. We'll see. Like that would be the ultimate test of whether this stupid centralized thing might actually have some merit. If they can actually stop these this theft and get it back to Bithum as a council or whatever the hell they are, then. I'll give them a little bit more leeway the next time I talk about them. But but how would that work? Didn't never. the EOS already get moved and sold for other coins? They can't reverse every blockchain. They said it was laundered pretty well, but they can reverse transactions. That's the thing. Like the EOS blockchain can reverse them. They can freeze and reverse transactions. Yeah, so, but then you'd be taking them from all the people that bought that EOS without knowing that it was stolen. Yeah. And they yeah. wouldn't be able to get their oh, money they back be able to- because that's on other blockchains. So yeah. The perpetrator still gets all the money in another crypto. Yeah, well, unless he unless he did it for EOS to EOS. I don't know. We'll see. I would like to see that. I want to stop seeing these exchanges get hacked every week. I don't know if the Quadriga CX guy pulled the Lazarus yet, but I haven't looked into that. I'm sure he's going to be resurrected sometime soon. And uh, yeah, that was... I got to tell you, I do not envy anybody that has to be in charge of securing <laughs> tens of millions of dollars worth of cryptocurrency. 
Definitely agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't envy their position either, but like we, there are people that are doing it right. Right. Uh, you just have to do the know. right process. You're right. CZ does it great. Kraken's never been hacked. Like they're didn't CZ fr- basically they got hacked and then they froze the accounts. Yeah, he caught them immediately. Yeah, yeah. They, they they've caught a couple of hackers, but their red alert systems go off and they're like, nope, this this is a hack. Fuck this. And there's trip systems. We learned that also through our interview with uh, Rob from Horizon that they had an entire system that can basically spot. Well, that was for 51 percent attacks, but they were also able to stop it because of that. Being able yeah, to- speaking of attacks, I am going to have uh, Anthony back on the show, uh, formerly right. of the Ethereum Classic Cooperative. He's go- Anthony Lusardi is going to talk to us about the different methods of attacking a blockchain. Oh, nice. All right. So anything else on this Bitum uh, story? <laughs> no, no. Let's. I, I'm good. I, I'm excited about my next story. All right. It's time to play Bullish or Bullshit, the game where we guess whether something is bullish or you guessed it. Bullshit. <laughs> Action's on you, bro. All right. So the title of this article, boys, is Justin Sun gives away a Tesla on Twitter. Is this bullish or bullshit? You could have just said Justin Sun and I would have said bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the truth is, I know I've read some of this story. So my understanding is that Justin Sun's a scammer. <laughs> and then something scummy <laughs> happened with Tron and the guy who won. But I do think that they gave it away eventually. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say Justin Sun gives a Tesla on Twitter. Technically bullshit because he ended up doing it behind closed doors or something. Technically bullshit is the right answer. And we're going to see why at the end. Um, so here's what happens. Our boy Justin Sun ha- announced a $20 million giveaway of different Tron tokens or whatever the hell he's giving away. Right. One of the things that he's giving away is on March 27th, they were going to draw a winner of a Tesla. And there were different reasons that you like retweeting or following or whatever the case was to get entered into the drawing for the Tesla. So they had this video that they released where they picked the winner and they uploaded the video and even tagged and congratulated the winner of the Tesla. And then they deleted the video saying that there were compression problems. There's a link to the video in the show notes if you want to see it. But the because obviously nothing is once you put it on the internet it's there somebody's gonna get it so the internet saved it and it's definitely justin he does the whole drawing and an interesting piece of this thing well actually i'll get to that in a minute but the user is xrp underscore uzgar or uzgaroth uh he's the twitter user that was supposed to win he was actually the 88th name drawn because the first names didn't meet a certain criteria. So you see it sit there, draw, 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 draw. Apparently there was a piece of this that like didn't really, they didn't do a good job of communicating, which is that you had to actually hashtag TRX at some point. And none of those people did, even mm-hmm. though they were entered in the drawing. So after he does this, he shuts it down and he says, Hey, uh, sorry, only live streams are acceptable for winning. We'll do a live stream later and we'll pick a real winner. So he, right. he tells this guy that he won. And then he says, ah, just kidding. He didn't really get a Tesla. We're going to draw this again. The original video, interestingly enough, there is a frame of the video where the guy who won his Twitter profile comes up before the drawing. So I don't know how it would have gotten there. Maybe that's the compression issues that they're talking about. But there is, it is pre-drawing. There is a very clear frame of the video. It just flashes for a second, and it's that guy's, and it's that guy. So I don't know where the tinfoil hats come in on this one, but that's super strange, right? So, so Justin decides to uh, to go ahead and compensate this person. He's like, you know, we're really sorry. We feel really bad. 
that we said you wanted Tesla and you didn't. So we're willing to give you two free tickets to the Tron Summit in 2020 and fly you out there to participate and see our Tron Summit conference and the twitter is obviously like are you fucking kidding me this guy <laughs> won a tesla and your answer is ah, we'll fly you out and you can watch us talk about how cool tron is the coin that screwed you out of a tesla and uh that was the that was the answer for a couple of days and they gave the tesla away to somebody else so it would be bullish to, in fact they actually did give a tesla away to somebody else uh the reason it's bullshit is they actually ended up giving away two so the End result is two days later after the after Twitter just literally freaks out and lays into Justin like crazy. He says, ah, you know what? Now I really kind of see the, the light here and I'm going to give a second Tesla away. And he gives it. He gives a Tesla to this guy. The, oh, he did get a Tesla. He did. He did end up giving a Tesla to this guy, which actually it took me a long time to find. So the only reason I found that is there was a Tron supporter that was like getting downvoted in one of the subreddits. It's like, guys, he actually gave the Tesla like to this guy. He just took a couple days. So an example of just like Justin's son making dumb decisions. And then he at least owns up to it, but he already got all the bad press. I promise you 90% of people who read the story don't know that he gave away the second Tesla. Yeah. And owns up to it. You mean cave under enormous public. Yeah. Pressure. yeah. That, you know what I'm saying? Like, and this yeah, is for, for those of you listening that we're always so hard on Tron and might disagree with us, but this is exactly the kind of thing. Yeah. They're out there and oh, they're marketing so good, blah, blah, blah. But it's really just like cheap, Shit like this, like, you know, enter to win a ton of money. We'll just give somebody 50K if you just retweet us and create all this traffic and all these hashtags. And even then they completely botch the communication, the organization and the follow through. It's just, I don't know, man. I can't ever like them as a project, I feel like. <laughs> uh, and uh, sorry, I was looking at the video of what you were talking about and the Justin Justin son vol- he was talking and the volume was up my bad there was <laughs> yeah why would you listen to him instead of cream cream is so much no i just wanted to see what you were talking about cuz you said there was a point where uzarov was actually up before he was drawn and uh, yeah. i saw that and it was cool yeah hmm. it, it it's like a little subliminal message flash so i'm it's it's interesting that that happened so i i don't know enough about video to know that that could be attributed to just something accidental or if they really knew who that winner was going to be before they drew it and maybe like the whole thing was just another marketing thing to get more attention it's super we like Walton chain okay. experiment kind of yeah thing. like okay you won and then maybe either one they were just going to go ahead and give it to the guy and then be like hey see we gave away the lambo but then they realized oops we fucked up and we put that frame in there so we better actually give away the or sorry the tesla we better actually give away this tesla and then they did they did the redrawing and then they're like, okay, we need to make this look real. So you need to be mad that you didn't get your Tesla. And then the guy like gets mad that he didn't get his Tesla. They use it as a reason to pump the Tron 2020 summit. And then they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're also going to give him a Tesla. And I don't know, like Damn. that's kind of conspiratorial. The but whole conspiracy had drawn out. I, and, and I hate thinking that way. But what the hell? Like, how did that appear before the drawing actually happened? Anyway, this reminds me a little bit of. A certain gambling establishment, Brent, that we both knew about. I think Adam and I have known about this as well. But they had a promotion once where they were going to give stuff away in a Christmas raffle. And it was like you basically, you got entries and you would go up to Christmas tree and open Christmas balls and they all had a prize inside. And the prices ranged from like, you know, you win a hundred bucks to like you win 10K or something like that. And the whole time for weeks, they made it seem like, 
you would get to do that drawing that way. And on the day of where everybody's there with all the names in the basket or whatever, they just take all the balls downstairs out of view and come back and say, oh, okay, we already drew all the prices and here's a list of who won what. <laughs> and, and the person who won the biggest prize happened to be really good friends with the director. That was Tampa Bay Downs, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I, I believe so. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the Tampa Insider Bay Insider sweepstakes. Yeah, I, I I've heard. This reminds me of that about like, Patrick Murphy, like somebody, uh, like somebody who was friends with the marketing department. He's like, yeah, bro, don't worry, we're gonna, we'll just, we'll get you a Tesla. It'll be free, and we'll use it as a marketing ploy. And oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> it was part of a deal that they made for marketing, and he didn't know that he was going to be paid in the form of sweepstakes. <laughs> All right, so on to the next. Uh, we got crypto around the world right now. The EU launches a blockchain association. It's called the Inatba. Inatba. <laughs> so, has anyone seen the IT crowd? Uh, yes, the, I love it. I love that show. So, there's an episode of the IT crowd. Where Moss, one of the, uh, basically it's a show about two nerds in the, uh, IT department on the basement of a massive corporation. And, uh, yeah. So one of them gets on some show where he has to spell out a, a word. Tenetiba. Yeah. Every time I see Inataba, I think of <laughs> yeah. Tenetiba. Tenetiba. And, and the word is spelled absurdly. It's T N E T. E-N-N-B-A, and he gets hailed as the greatest competitor on this this kind yeah. of a scramble word Brent, uh, just, and just game to give show. You a little, yeah, it's supposed to be like just a collection of random letters, and they're supposed to form the longest possible word that they can with it. So the other guy's like trying to come up with something, and he's just sitting there, and when the round's over, he's like, it's already a word. Tenetimba. And they look <laughs> it up, and they're like, oh my god, he's right! It's the longest! <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyway. Yeah. It's good. Maybe we'll put the video in the show notes, the the clip, the minute and a half on <laughs> YouTube. So anyways, I'll say that again. This is supposed to be really helping the regulations and lawmaking of the EU. There are over 100 companies that are in this. They are, uh, I guess, uh, the article, funny enough, says IOTA and consensus, but there are there are... There were other ones that were good. Cardano Foundation, Lisk, Ripple. There's there's just a lot of them. Yeah, I guess I'm not naming too many that are, are like fist pumps, but there are definitely a lot of relevant companies involved in this. And sorry, I got lost for a second in my notes. <laughs> but the, the Anataba is actually called the International, bear with me, it is the International Association of Trusted Blockchain Applications. There we go. I got through it. And its mission is to organize forums where regulators and policymakers can interact with startups and corporations so that they can, you know, make the regulations moving forward a little more together, I guess, in, in, in more unified front. That's awesome. It's kind of interesting to hear trusted blockchain applications in a, in, in, you know, because the idea of blockchain originally was trustless, but because of the state that most of these projects that are not successfully trustless yet it actually is a necessity hmm. yeah and uh, i think that's probably it for crypto around the world but we got a new segment popping up 
that uh, I guess I was the forerunner of this. It's called Bull Signs. Bull Signs. Is that what a bull makes? It's a bull. He was, he was, I was, yeah, I was snorting. Maybe, maybe a matador going Olay or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, with a little music. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Olay. So the first one, I guess I'll champion this one. And then again, going back to back on the, uh, the intros. So Andreessen Horowitz filed to become a registered investment advisor. As in, they want to gain flexibility with crypto investing. So all 150 employees are going to be registering as financial advisors. So they can say, I am a financial advisor and I can help you as opposed to what we always have to say in every podcast. So maybe we should just do that. So we don't have to say that at the end. That might be worth it. Worth. Yeah. Not saying it. I mean, you've done what? 170 podcasts. You've said it 170 times. That's yep. Seems worth it. And uh, I guess less relevant, but still relevant, is they're raising 2 to $2.5 billion, uh for the, this growth fund uh, or a growth fund in a few weeks. Uh, they've always been, A16Z has always been the uh, one of the the funds that I look up to, I guess. That and maybe Chamas Hedge Fund, I forget what that one is called exactly. But yeah, I think this is definitely a big step in the right direction for future investing. Cause once the hedge funds can legally invest in crypto, that's a lot of money coming in. Yeah. Or, or at least legally say, sorry. Yeah. Give somebody advice on where to invest. Like if they're a venture capital firm, they could give a hedge fund advice and say, Hey, we're going to invest in you. Here's our advice on what you should be investing in or whatever and make partnerships. Yeah. Things are changing in the venture capital world. I think it's not going to be as easy as find a company, give them some money and see if they make you money anymore. So Nice. And you have something here about uh, trade volume as well, Adam? Yeah. It's just a simple graph showing that there is, or a chart showing that there's $87 billion in trade volume, I think it was two days ago, uh, when we were kind of peaking for the first time in a long time. And, and the last record was January 4th, 2018. And this was eclipsed by $16 billion. So that's kind of no joke. The, also, the last week's average was $31 billion. So that day, more than eclipse the average by 2x 2.5x so i wonder if it's the fake volume or the real volume now that we've got transaction mining Mm. and all that garbage wash trading yeah wash trading sorry it's called transaction mining adam it's not wash trading okay you get uh, you you get to do wash trading but you also get a benefit of the exchange's token hashtag f coin scam I don't know what you're referring to but i was just trying to refer to the last flagship we did and they can go listen to oh. wash trading, yep. you know, and 169. And does someone want to grab this last one? Because I'm not really the technical guy, but it was interesting. Very uh, interesting to me. Well, we're kind of the anti-technical guys. So yeah, we, we don't know anything about not this. being the technical guy is already the most technical we have on the show. So oh. <laughs> all right. So. I, here, I'm going to read this as like Bitcoin is now above the 1D cloud, which is very similar to the dragon pattern. Uh, massive volume and flip bullish for the first time since nearly early 2018. Money emoji eyes symbol. Uh, for all you technicals out there, it's called Ichimoku cloud, which is also part of the collective of the dragon chain that we were talking about before. For the first time in 15 months, 442 days to be exact. We have a positive candle closed on a chart. I think there should have been another money sign emoji on top of that. Triangles galore on that P. 
picture. So there we go. Did I do a good job? I mean, you definitely made it sound like you were selling the Ishimoku Cloud. I wanted to buy it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Brent does have. If a you want to buy the Ichimoku Cloud, call right now at Ichimoku Cloud, and you'll get Ichimoku Vapor for free. <laughs> so, gentlemen, I think it's time to talk about shots fired. No, 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 no. What, wait, no. No, Brent just read it, and then we didn't. So basically, this means for the first time in 15 months, 442 days. Uh-huh. This is a bull signal. Yeah, these you are know, all numbers. That, this yes, these are numbers. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm not a technical. You're, you guys are not technicals. I don't really believe that much into it, but it does seem like there are a lot of guys doing a lot of work on this area, and it keeps popping up. I was just going to say that when you have this massive volume and something happens for the first time in 15 months, and there, you actually, ha- I think it was a tw- first 24 hour period that they had that actually became, you know, a positive chart. That's a big sign. Yeah, but it's a big sign for how long and sustain how much. Look, again, my the criticism with TA is that there are so many signals that get interpreted so differently by so many people. It's one of the disciplines that doesn't seem to have a lot of consistency that is applied rigorously throughout. So like with so many different signals that could represent so many different things, okay, the spike in action which clearly we can see by the price. Yeah, Bitcoin went up and the trade volume went up. Yeah. But is that indicative of future action? Is it is it possible that we have a huge sell-off now and it dumps down? Or is it possible that it's just keeps spiking? I don't know. Do we have any evidence that either one of those is less likely now? I feel like it could still go in either direction. We don't know. Yeah, 24-hour period is pretty arbitrary if you think about a market that's open at all times. So I get why they see these things and they're interesting. Yes, it's interesting that it happened. It's nice to see green instead of red. Yes. But looking back on it in a year, this should, in theory, I'm not probably saying mean that, nothing. I'm not saying that, hey, we're in a bull market. Hey, this is happening. I'm just saying that this is a positive sign for the market overall because it hasn't happened in so long. And, and I'm not saying that we should go all in on everything. I'm just saying that this is maybe a sign in the right direction. And it does qualify for the bull signals segment i think hmm. fair enough beep, beep. are we ready to fire some shots yes shots 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 all shot, right shot. let's start with brent's favorite currency favorite human justin sun talk to well him. this doesn't have anything to do with justin sun cream of course it has nothing to oh, do oh is this stratum justin sorry i just saw justin no 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 it no they get your this is not any justin this isn't a scam project okay <laughs> we're talking about waves platform here kareem oh the Waves platform is doing a giveaway to celebrate the beginning of April. And I believe this was announced on April 1st. So uh, take this with a certain uh, grain of salt. Let the Leda Nivaway begin. Enter to win a real Leda Niva. <laughs> and I don't know if you know what a Leda is, but remember when we were in uh, Cuba, all those, like, the ones that were the step up above the 50s American cars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. I'm looking at a picture. It looks like. Yeah, a Leda is that. So. The lucky winner will be randomly chosen on April 12th, 2019. Good luck. Retweet and reply why Leda Niva is the new Tesla. <laughs> so, okay, that's awesome. yeah, this was a little bit Justin related. They just decided to troll Justin on April 1st with the Waves platform. So totally on board with any any trolling of Justin that goes on. Definitely <laughs> a shot that was fired. Yeah, um, love it. The, the next one is me. I fired some shots on Twitter. I sent out a little tweet on our official Crypto Basic podcast Twitter at Crypto Basic Pod that said, "Well, the market's up, 
Doug Polk should be releasing a video anytime now. And four hours later, Doug Polk released a video confirming my biases. And uh, yeah. So and what Colin, is what is your bias there? Doug Polk only makes videos and it, like when the price goes up, <laughs> like the price will go up and he'll be like, oh, I should make a video now because people will watch. And he does. We've been here through all the downs, ups, lefts, rights, and any Konami code that you need to enter. You're an oracle. You're, you're a yeah. Doug Polk video oracle. That's pretty yep. amazing. Doug, you want to come out here and tell people why I know exactly what you're going to do before you do it? You're free to come on the show. Just reach out to us at... CryptoBasicPodcast at gmail.com or at CryptoBasicPod on Twitter. We will happily have you on. <laughs> All right. And uh, and then my favorite, I wrote this as Elon Musk shits on Bitcoin by saying Dogecoin might be my fave cryptocurrency. It's pretty cool. And then later uh, on Twitter, he updated his like job to former CEO of Dogecoin. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So do, you know why he did that though, right? The uh, the Dogecoin account tweeted out, "Okay, Doge does need a CEO. Choose wisely." And they put Vitalik. Um, it was a poll. Vitalik, Elon, one of the guys from like Ethereum or something. I don't know. It was two other people. And then Elon Musk got most of the votes. So after that poll, he changed his, <laughs> his title. But here's a, here's another thing. I interpreted that tweet too because he was taking a shot at the SEC as well because. Obviously, when he said, I really like Doge, the price went up. So the SEC, remember, got him in trouble for tweeting stuff about Tesla. So he wrote, quote, Dogecoin value may vary. (laughs) (laughs) Feels like that's pretty directed at the SEC. Yep. Always on board with some Elon trolling. Always happy to do do a little Elon troll. All right. And then final, we're going to go into the mailbag section, guys. We have a mailbag in here. Yeah, Crip Basic, Flagship Friday, you listen to the mailbag drop, where we break down a member's thoughts, just starting crypto, don't you stop, keep listening till you hit the spot, Woo! And the mailbag, <laughs> Jerry from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, asks, what is your absolute favorite coin out there? Well, Jerry from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, my favorite coin is still probably Cardano. Maybe because it's like a mystery box because like it's not all the way done yet and we just know what it probably will be. But it could even be a boat. Uh, it's kind of one of those things. But no, nah, like I still, despite Charles Hoskinson telling Chico Crypto to suck a cock and saying... And boxing uh, you out during the conference. Boxing me out oh, during the conference yeah. conversation. That was the worst. He just literally gut checked me out of the way. And he went off on New York uh, and like some crypto regulatory agency or whatever in New York. And he was like, fuck them. Fuck New York. He went off on them recently. So despite all of that, still think Cardano's got a really cool shot at being a the coin. So that's it. It's obvious for longtime listeners. I mean, maybe we should have picked like a non-Cardano coin as our favorite. So it wasn't so obvious. But the box out is an art that I think pro magic players have perfected. They have a real tight circle around. So yeah. You can't ever get in. And it's like you have to be real sneaky just to get in the conversation. Yeah. No, there was it nothing was pretty sneaky powerful. about it. No, he just like walked up in the middle of a four people were talking in a nice little circle, but there was room. <laughs> Charles just and he came stood in directly in front of me and his put back, his back to my on face. Brent, like, yeah, probably like two inches. 
Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, and you and I even home? like put my arms in the air, and I'm like, what? <laughs> oh my god! He was busy though. He was trying to talk to Jeremy. <laughs> Fair enough. So I'd say mine was engine is engine. Um, I've just been, uh, I guess, a champion. I mean, I was on the Engine 101 podcast. Yep. And I've just been uh, kind of really into it from the start. I'm a gamer, and it seems like they're doing some good things in space. You even have your own, or yeah, the Crypto Basic coins, correct? We do. We have the, the Patreon supporter coins. So there you go. As soon as Cream gives us his, we'll talk about Patreon. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess I would probably normally pick Ada, just like uh, Brent said. But to do it more fun, I would say my other non Bitcoin favorite coin is Horizon. You were going to say Bitcoin? (laughs) Horizon. I like Horizon. There we go. Horizon. It's a a favorite. It's a favorite. It's not necessarily the one I think is the best, but I like them. I like the team. I like Rob. I like their vision. I like the scientific approach. I like what they're doing. I like how they've handled adversity. So I, I like them. Oh, also random uh, Charles Hoskinson dig. In the same interview where he was going off on New York, he said good things only about John McAfee when he was asked about him. He's like, oh, yeah, I like John. He's a good guy. He's a uh, blah, blah, blah. I was like, man. Yeah, that's disappointing. <laughs> like, it, yeah, when, when your heroes like start showing you yeah, yeah, more yeah. and more about them, it's like, fuck. Yeah, man, but you know what? Really? This is why I'm, it's super important that we don't fall into the trap of heroifying people. You know, and I know we do joking around and stuff like that or with the tally, but everybody's everybody's a person, you know, everybody's just people and people change also. Is that a word? Because if, if it isn't, it should be. Hmm. But I mean, I'm heroifying. Heroification. I, I what you're saying. Yeah. So I'm a believer that if you understand what I'm saying, then then it's a word and it's efficient. It's efficient use of language. All right. Fair enough. All right. And Brent, what do you want to tell us about Patreon. Well, it's that time of the episode. We're going to talk about our new Patreon members. So Brian Hunt joined our Patreon, and he joined at the uh, the node layer, and we always appreciate it when new Patreon members join. And if you want to be one of them, what we ask is that if you join the Patreon, you at least pledge $1 an episode. That's what it it has there. It's helping keep us afloat. The way it is right now, we are still losing a little bit of money on the podcast when we don't have a sponsor, but the Patreon is really softening that blow, and we really, really appreciate it. Right off the bat, you get a you get a few little perks. You know, you get, we we upload some like quirky videos. You don't get served ads when we end up getting those ads on the show. And more specifically, you get an engine token sent to your wallet the first time that you have a payment go through. So we have a specific engine non fungible token. It says Crypto Basic Patreon supporter. We designed a little thing. There was a little community vote among the current Patreon members and founding members in the private chat that we have in the Discord. And they helped us decide on which one we were going to go with. And it's basically got our logo. It says you're an official Patreon supporter. And that goes into your wallet and you have it forever. It's got five built-in engine tokens in there. So if you and if it ends up going up and mooning in value, you can melt that thing down and end up with a with five engine tokens. I don't know if you would ever want to do that because it's the coolest thing ever to be a, P- a Patreon member. But <laughs> please check out our Patreon. The links are all over our website. Show notes everywhere. You can search for us on Patreon patreon.com slash crypto basic and yeah help us out we are loving it and we still haven't taken any any money from any of those scammy projects in fact i just one of them one of them emailed me and i couldn't help myself they they were on the eos blockchain and they're like hey can we just have like our ceo come on your show it'll be great and i was just like yeah to talk about decentralization and i was like yeah you built your coin on 
EOS. Like, you're not qualified to talk about decentralization. Sorry, we're not going to have you on the show. <laughs> Sometimes like we, maybe we shouldn't let me handle the email all yeah, the time. Maybe, all right, maybe boys? You're, you're not the personal relations guy. No, no, maybe maybe not the PR part of the team. Public relations, yeah. All right, and not only are we not public relation experts, guys, this is also time to remind the audience that we are not financial advisors. Just a couple of guys talking crypto, but if you'd like to join the conversation, make sure you hop on our Discord. We got a lot of activity there. Rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Crypto Basic Brent on Reddit, and... Sayonara. Anybody want to say goodbye? Adios. Be careful out there. There's bulls running around everywhere, and we never know when one of them is going to become a pig. He doesn't know where the sentence is going when he starts it. All right. Bye. (laughs) Bye.